0: Welcome to The Real Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Max Gershberg. These days, no matter if it's the crack of dawn or the middle of the night, if it's April or August, the NFL news cycle never sleeps. Which means no days off for Jay Glazer, the scoop artist from Fox who feverishly hunts down NFL news. Back in 2011, Bryant Gumbel profiled Glazer on Real Sports, and we got an up-close look at a guy who was forging a different sort of path in sports media, making friends with some of the league's biggest stars while repeatedly breaking some of its biggest stories. On this podcast, you'll hear a portion of that piece from 2011, and then we'll catch up with Jay Glazer, who in the years since has not slowed down in the slightest, He'll join us later to talk about opening his own MMA gym, launching a project designed to bond football players with military veterans, and the very public fashion in which he's waging a personal battle with mental health. Of course, we'll also talk a little football. All that to come. But first, here's some of Bryant Gumbel's 2011 story on Jay Glazer.
1: Like some kind of human free. hurricane. Free, and lag. free and lag. Jay Glazer <laughs> blows through NFL circles in nonstop fashion.
2: <laughs> Look how red Look red, red guy.
1: 57 bundle of bluster.
2: <laughs> I'm sitting there sniping. Oh, I'm <laughs> in. <hit. I'm hit. laughs>
1: With verbiage to spare. How long's practice today? Because I'm I'm already bored. If it seems like Jay Glazer acts more like one of the coaches or even an owner than a reporter. That's because he has become, through sheer force of work and personality, the ultimate NFL insider. A guy who can go to any NFL venue, talk with any NFL person, and dig up dirt like no one else in the business. In part, because he's a 41-year-old going on 14. That is the worst.
2: Are you, uh, seriously? If you want to get the boobies gone, get the heart rate up. I play jokes on guys I don't even know in the league. I don't take myself seriously at all. Then people look at this like, they're so damn serious. We're, we're just in sports. I'm not a doctor. I'm not, I'm not solving the world's crimes or world problems. I'm just in sports. We're just escapism, nothing else.
1: All joking aside, in recent years, it seems as if all the biggest NFL stories have been broken by Glazer. How would you characterize what you do? <sighs> I
2: think I'm an information broker.
1: How's that? It's an interesting way of putting it. I probably put out about 3% of what I'm told.
2: And he is told a lot.
1: He's never, I mean, ever, and- ever no without one it. of his cell
2: phones. I
3: mean, it's just, it's
2: not- hey, it's Glaze. Give me a quick call back. Need- At home. Tell me what they need. I'll call the head coach. In the studio. Can. Give me a little text, man. Give me a little heads up. On That's the road. Nice. I can't complain, huh? Even
1: during our interview. Hey, man, how you doing? Hey, can I hit you back, dude? He is a self-confessed motor mouth, in
2: constant pursuit of what he calls scoopage. I don't sleep much because guys in the East Coast, when they're driving to the office, they'll call me. One coach in particular loves to call me every morning, kind of fix. To so say funny. what? It's, it's, it's chat time. It's schmooze
1: time. You call them relationships. Would it be too strong to call them friends? No, a lot of them are friends. You know what?
2: Half the friends I have in this league don't give me a damn thing. I just like to talk. I can't I can't stop talking. It's just I genuinely love these relationships. I, I love these people.
1: Jay Glazer's people skills are deep-rooted. A Jersey boy who moved to Brooklyn, he tried stand-up comedy and tended bar before landing a job as a young local reporter in New York, covering the Jets and the Giants.
2: Strahan told me that halfway through the game, he pretty much just got sick and tired of hearing Sharp. He turned around and said, Shut
3: up! He's high energy. He's constant. He's, he requires a lot of attention. He does. He's, he's like having a pet. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Glazer used to cover former Giants All-Pro
1: Michael Strahan. That is, until they became the closest of friends, best men in each other's weddings, and for the last four years, colleagues at Fox. But even for Strahan, Glazer's energy at times can be tough to take.
3: Jay and I are getting to these shouting matches like you wouldn't believe. And we've been in fights going to Vegas in the car, and I'm trying to pull up the emergency brake to stop the car just to let me out. But then he's driving to Vegas, hitting the median because he's too much pride to pull over because he's tired to let me drive. Because he's mad that we got into an argument. It's like, don't kill me because we got into an argument. You guys sound like you're married. Yeah, basically. Without the sex, though. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, why do so many people trust him, though, Michael? Because, you know what? Jay is your friend before any story. Jay... But there's a lot of guys, but but wait, you've been in the business on uh that side, and I've been in business on this side a long time, and there's a wall there. Most guys don't want to cross that wall to ever ever find out, oh, we can be friends. I have a wall up with 99.999999% of people except for one person at business, and that was Jay. He has the unique ability to make you, in a business that's so serious, relate back to your childish ways in a sense and makes you feel comfortable relating in those childish ways.
1: Glazer's childish ways paid off when Fox Sports came calling in 2004.
3: I love it, I love it when you sit back here, Chad, like he's really direct This stuff. I'm like, no, no, he always does. Right right
1: in 07, he was assigned to their pregame show and has since become a fixture there. For Glazer, the relentless pursuit of scoopage is a never-ending game, one he doesn't like to lose. And the thing that, that, that does
2: bother me is I've broken several stories over the years where other installations and other reporters, they'll, they'll attack it. No, it's not true. No, there's no way. I'm like, why? look at my track record. You're hoping so badly that you want it to be wrong because you got beaten that you're going to come out and rip me and rip it. And that's part of the business that Bob. me a little bit. Are we talking about the bit.
1: self-proclaimed world leader?
2: Them and others, yeah, absolutely. They've done it several times. And it's just like, why, why would
1: you possibly do that? If, in fact, others in his business are jealous or outraged, it would be understandable, because Glazer has so many relationships with owners, coaches, and players, that he's routinely accorded special treatment. Let me run some of the names at you that you've been called. A jock sniffer. Yeah, yeah. Guilty?
2: Oh, no. No, absolutely not. Now, a jock sniffer is somebody who, like, kisses ass, if anything... I'm cruel to these dudes. I'm abusive to my friends. Are you serious? No, absolutely not. Yeah, but you're more interested in striking a relationship with a guy who's a a D-back on the Bears than a guy who's an insurance salesman in Chicago. Okay, yeah, I have more in common with these guys than I do my fellow reporters, by far.
1: That's because Glazer himself is an athlete in another tough guy sport, mixed martial arts, MMA. He has such a passion for the sport that he's begun preaching the MMA gospel to his friends in the NFL. And the word is spreading. In the last three years alone, Glazer says he has trained more than 50 players. kick. Glazer's MMA work has served him well around the NFL. We just want a front kick, boom,
2: like someone's stomach. <laughs> yeah.
1: Not just gaining him new clients to train but also earning him a measure of respect from a lot of players who love that other world of violence that Glazer inhabits. I want to come up and boom, drop those elbows and boom, and then he'd give the arm and go for the head and arm. Okay, so between the training, the business relationships, and the friendships, he is a far cry from the journalistic standards of Edward R. Murrow. But that's just fine with Glazer. Come into my office after, okay? You step into my office after. You characterize yourself as an information broker. Do you think you're
2: a journalist? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think in the uh, old sense of it. No, what? I think the old sense of the word of how the old rules those are. We'll talk to me about the old. The rules. R- talk to me about what are the old well, rules
1: like you or know, what are the new You're not supposed to be friends
2: words. with players. You're not supposed to be friends with people. I like the people I work with. I look like I work with players and coaches. I like these people. So you know, you know, and here's the other thing too: the old school journalists who tell you that they are they're objective about everything. That's a crock because when a guy doesn't talk to them, they're not objective. They're like. Okay, he doesn't help me. I'm going to go after him. I think with, with me, because I, am, I have this relationship with guys, I can get after him harder than anybody else. Will you
1: allow, Jay, that, that if nothing else, it, it gives the appearance of
2: a guy who could be compromised? It, yeah, but, but here's the thing. I, I would hope that people look at my track record and go, it could, but it hasn't. If we get more information and scoops out of this guy than we do anybody else.
0: And we're now joined by the scoopage extraordinaire himself, Jay Glazer. Jay, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Good
2: to see you guys and talk to you guys again.
0: So, Jay, as we just heard in that story from 2011, uh, your passion for MMA and sharing it with your your friends in the NFL is certainly nothing new. But since we last saw you, you've opened your own gym, the Unbreakable Performance Center. And I've heard this is no ordinary gym. you got Hollywood guys, NFL stars, Snoop Dogg rolling through. Are these all your your buddies? Like, how did you manage this?
2: Well, they are now. Our commonality was health is wealth. We all wanted to train together. And, like, for me, you guys saw, like, how passionate, like, I've always needed a fight team. And it's kind of weird with with my social anxiety, I don't do great in the real world, but I feel great in a cage, which how messed up is that? But also the only way I'm going to get better, any of us are going to get better, is we got to check our ego at the door and we've got to like, I've got to look bad to get better. So as I'm learning something new, I'm not going to do it well. I'm going to look bad doing it. You can't really do that at big box places where people are sneaking pictures or videos, whatever it is. And I got no problem looking bad. I just don't want it out there for the world. So I opened up a a private place where we can all just be. And and our our place is interesting. I don't have a single mirror in the place because I'm such a team-oriented guy. I literally look at it like I don't want anybody else's back turned to the rest of the team. So we all do this together. I also put a mental health professional in there. So our motto is we build you up from the inside out. So it's been pretty cool. And we all are together a team. Doesn't matter who you are. So when you come in and work out, Your group may be you and me and Wiz Khalifa and (laughs) Chris Pratt and the CEO of this company and agent over here and a record guy over here or a music guy over here and a sports guy over here. But we all lift each other up. That's the coolest thing. We all lift each other up together.
0: Another group represented in kind of this eclectic mix that you work with in the gym is military veterans. Yeah, And you've hatched a plan to kind of bond them with NFL players. How did that all come together?
2: I kind of looked at it. And, you know, I've gotten involved in the NFL in 1993, and man, I've just seen too many guys go by the wayside. And thanks to Fox and thanks to my work with MMA, I've gotten to travel around the world and either train troops or uh, be there for troops and celebrate Thanksgiving with troops or Veterans Day for a couple of decades now. And I saw them having the same struggles, our football players, and now fighters and different athletes from when the uniform came off. So I know, trust me, I know the job is completely different, but the struggle is the same. And it's much easier to attack your struggles when you have someone to walk this walk with. So I said, man, athletes look up to combat vets. Combat vets look up to pro athletes. Let's put them together. And let's kind of remind us, it wasn't the uniform that made you great. It's what's behind your rib cage. But if you don't have anybody to remind you of that, then who does? So now I built these teams together. We built these teams together where you come into an MVP session. It started at Unbreakable Performance Center with just a couple of homeless veterans, a few of them who now work for MVP. They're now employees there. And a couple of homeless veterans, a couple of NFL players who are struggling, a couple of fighters who are struggling, and it's become this big, beautiful movement throughout the country. Six and a half years in, seven locations, and we train together for about a half hour just to give you that burn. But after we have these mental health huddles, and we just sit on these mats and we talk it out, it's pure on peer counseling. It's it's pretty damn cool. I'm pretty proud of them.
0: Right, and that's MVP. That's merging veterans and players. Right. Yeah. You know, much has been made, Jay, of the the punishment NFL players put their minds and their bodies through. But did it alarm you at all that they seem to share so many of the scars and difficulties that you saw plaguing combat vets? Alarm, not alarm. I, I'm proud, like, their vulnerability
2: is beautiful. And, and that's the thing. And look, the very first thing I said to these guys, you play in the NFL, that's not who you are. But what you have behind your ribcage that got you to beat out millions and millions of to play on that level that's who you are that suddenly just doesn't just leave when the uniform comes off but same with our combat vets they go overseas and they do such incredible things they have grace under fire they got courage under pressure they're selfless they don't know me or you or my kid yet they leave their own families to go try and make sure that we feel safe it's unreal but they come back over here and they're like oh i'm different and my thing is no you're different. Different is good. Different leads to success. But if no one reminds them that, it, it's hard for them to embrace that. In fact, they're ingrained not to have individuality. So I, I want to remind them what the greatness is all around. And when you share this you know, common struggle, you got a crew to walk this walk together with. It's really easier to tackle anything. And
0: right. as you noted, a lot of this work does center on mental wellness. And and you yourself have been very open about um, your own battle with with mental health. You've called it fighting the gray what is fighting the gray and how long have you been in that fight jay
2: so it's the only thing i know it's my earliest childhood memory and when we did our last the feature that we did with brian the whole thing was man jay Glazer is crazy good at what he does because he's crazy and think about that right so i had to act crazy if you will and the crazy was to hide the pain right and crazy is a badge of honor in football and fighting So that crazy now I call the gray. But I had to build up that crazy, funny character to hide what's really been going on behind my eyes. So every time you see me on Sunday, every time since I've been at Fox, I have had a panic attack going on the air every single time. And I thought for um, before we talk mental health, I thought I was having a heart attack for 10 plus years and getting my heart checked out. Just I didn't know what it was. I do now. You know, the pain was it's always been strong to the point where, um it's an everyday battle. Getting out of bed this morning was hard for me. It's never not. And because I wake up, this gray is this anxiety and depression, which tells me the universe hates me. I'm not worthy of being loved. The sky is falling. Everything bad is going to happen. I expect the sky to fall. It's exhausting. It's debilitating. I, I got two, two choices I can make every day. I could lay there in bed and let this beast beat me, but I'm not going to do that. I like, you know, that's the fighter in me fighting back. Um, so I've had to figure out ways once I get out of bed, then I am relentless in life. I go after it. And because I don't know how to love myself from the inside out, this depression, anxiety, like now kind of thank God I, I have it because I wouldn't be where I am today without it because it's gotten me to go, got me to go do such big things where Brian Cumble does a du- you know, double feature on me uh, because I've had to try and find that self worth from the outside in. I've had to go do these great things, try to so figure out how to be loved from the outside in and hope that one day they meet in the middle. I- I'm not there yet. I'm a work in progress. I hope to get there one day. And with this book that I just came out with, you know, Unbreakable, th- this allows me not to have to hide it anymore. Uh, but it also, more, more than anything, allows other people to hear it and go, oh my God, you too? Him too? Okay, I'm not alone. Because all those years, I was alone doing this.
0: Yeah, you you just alluded to it. You track a pretty frenetic pace. You live a busy life. Is that intentional to keep your mind occupied?
2: Yes. I just had this conversation today Somebody said, "Well, how do you like exhale and relax? You must love to just sit in a beach." And I said, "Actually, man, I wish, but those minutes that I'm by myself, it's it's hard because I'm stuck with someone I don't know how to like or love." And and again, I know. Listen, I know people are gonna hear this and go, "What are you talking about? Your life is great. My life is great. My life is phenomenal." I'm sitting here doing a follow up with you, right? HBO Real Sports about a credible feature you get guys did a what was that a decade and a half ago, whatever it was. My life is phenomenal, but in between my ears just sucks. And so I don't feel the joy or love that I should feel from all this. And that's why I'm working at it. I won't stop working at it until I can feel it. So when I'm left alone to wrestle with, you know, this person that I don't know how, I don't feel worthy of of being loved, it's actually painful for me. So I'm on the go all the time to distract myself.
0: At its worst, in your darkest moments, Jay, how bad has it gotten? It's bad.
2: It's, um. I'll never be suicidal because I will not put that on anybody else. Um, it's one thing I could do is take on pain, but it's it's that bad where you're just hoping, man, I'm just hoping today I don't wake up. And um, it sucks. I mean, it just, it sucks. And that's, that's usually half the month and that's been my whole life. It's not, this isn't new, but now, man, God bless me with the ability to communicate. Now I have this platform. We could be open about it. And, and I guess that's what's new. I've been talking about it behind closed doors at MVP for six and a half years. And so there, so also I knew, man, I, you know, and I, in the, in the book that I wrote, I give a guide of how I get through it, how you can get through it. And I know it works with them. So then I was like, all right, it works with them. And that's a high risk group. I'd like to really help the masses out now. And it has been, uh, the reaction has been, been pretty damn beautiful.
0: You operate in some fairly macho cultures, Jay, the NFL, MMA, I imagine mental illness in those worlds can be stigmatized or sometimes viewed as weakness has that made it harder for you to lay bare your struggle?
2: No, it's made it more gratifying. And, you know, the thing, because I am that center of dudism, if you will, no one's questioned my manhood, right? So if I come out and cry, no one's going to think I'm a wuss. And I'll be honest with you, as I've opened up to people more and more, not one has told me to suck it up, which was a fear, right? Not one has told me I'm a wuss. Not one has said, get over it. Not one has said, what do you have to be sad about? In fact, it's got me closer together, really close with people in the football world, and the fight world. And the more we could talk about it, the only way we're going to move forward in this world is mental health is so reactive. You go to a therapist after the sky has fallen. We need to get it where we talk about this openly now,
0: the same way we train, the same way we work out the outside. That's why I say we build you up for the inside out. Do you sense a shift Where the NFL is concerned? I mean, have players in the NFL, have guys who you have relationships with, seeing your candor on this topic, come to you more in recent years to discuss their own struggles? Yes, a lot.
2: That's where Lane Johnson and I did that sit down earlier this year on Fox when he went off the reservation. Lane lived with me for four months when I trained him in mixed martial arts. He lived with me and my son. He knew my struggles. He didn't feel comfortable telling me. Think about that. And it wasn't until he just fell off where he was like, okay, I'm like, dude, I've I've been here the whole time, but I didn't tell Michael Stray until three months ago. And he was like, why? I'm like, I don't know. Like I, with you, I was ashamed. So man, I'm taking the shame out for everybody, everybody, every one of us.
0: I want to turn Jay to a subject that we covered fairly extensively in that 2011 story, which was the effort to balance your friendships in the league with your professional responsibilities. Today, I think even more than 10 years ago, there's a perception that people in your line of work are extensions of agents or team executives, mouthpieces. Surely you hear that, right? So here's
2: where I, I think I changed the way I helped change the way this, this is done because, because back then remember, yeah, you're right. People looked at like, Oh my God, this guy in his relationships. I'm like, no, my relationship. That's, that's how this should be done. Again. I said it back then. I'll say it again. We are just in sports. We're escapism. I'm not covering important stuff. I'm not covering Ukraine and the Middle East and all that. Like, nah, we're sports. So I've never taken myself too seriously. But look what happened over the years. Everything has become relationship-based, right? No one's just sitting there using their pen as a weapon anymore. So think how much things have changed. Everybody is now trying to have those same relationships. Back then, they were like, no, you can't do this. I'm like, you guys don't decide how I put food on my, my plate. And back then, too, there's only a couple of years before I did this with you guys. I was making 9500 bucks a year. First 11 years of my career. I made $9,450 a year. So I did things my way to help survive. And I've always done it differently. So yeah, I did it differently to start those relationships. And eventually those other report I had those same reporters who used to kind of rip on-, on me and Michael Strayan about it, would say to me, Hey, it's kind of like we can't beat you, join you. How do we have relationships? And I said, You guys gotta ask yourself you just gotta be authentic and ask yourself that. But no, I think it's all relationship based now, where you don't get by if you don't have relationships in this league. Now,
0: that's not saying don't be objective. But as you said, your niche, scoopage, if you will, has become much more crowded. Everyone's oh, yeah. on social media. Everyone's racing to get the story first. So has the job become harder and has it become more difficult to navigate that balance between being first but being right? So I shifted my
2: my focus. I used to always want to be the first one out, right? And then first it was, again, it was me versus two guys at ESPN, Lenny and, and Clayton um, and Mort to four. And then it was me versus six, then 10, then 20. Then NFL Network came about. And, you know, chapters, errands, me versus those guys. And then as more and more social media became, okay, somebody has it. And like, it used to be, if I had a scoop and I had it on social media, then I'd have it for a few hours. People know I broke it. Now it literally, and and I'm to blame for part of this, where the moment someone has it, everybody else takes it. And... Fans now kind of take note. But now when you break something, it lasts for you know five seconds. I'm like, man, these are killing all my relationships. <laughs> and uh and definitely killing my 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 dating life. So now I kind of shift to where I'm gonna be the most inside guy in, in sports. And when you watch me on Fox Interval Sunday, because that's who I'm I'm beholden to, those are my teammates. I come on to say something, you're like, Oh, okay, whatever Jay says, we can take it to the bank and we're gonna hear something from him that we haven't heard anywhere else. And um you know, that's kind of where At least my business has shifted where these guys want to go and, and, and be the first one to break this. I just want to make sure I have more inside information than anybody else on it and present it differently than everybody else.
0: Before I let you go, Jay, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a little about the crazy NFL offseason we've been navigating with so many star players moving around. Why do you think such a flood of activity? I mean, do you think guys in the NFL are are deliberately trying to control their circumstances a little bit more like NBA players have begun to?
2: Yeah, I do think that. I do think the the agents have got more power. But I also think the Rams, they mortgaged everything for a title. Team C, that's copycat league. Well, let's do that. But you also, you know, Tom Brady navigated his way uh, down to Tampa last year. Russell Wilson navigated his way now to Denver. So I do think NBA, yes, guys are trying to feel their way, get a little bit more power. Um, Jalen Ramsey basically did that to the Rams, you know, to navigate himself out to the Rams. Um, Odell, same thing, right? So I think you're seeing that. But I also, and listen, the craziness too, the NFL is the greatest reality show in the world. Like, it's not the Kardashians, it's the NFL. You know, every time there's so many things that happen, we're like, can't make it up. And I just got back from the NFL owners meeting. And actually you talk about relationships. Every year, Mike Tomlin and I have started this little gathering session down there for me and him and half the head coaches in the NFL. And we just talk openly. It's great. And we, you know, brought up some stories and it's just again, it's like, man, if we weren't part of this league, if I was a Hollywood producer and somebody came with a script with some of the stuff that you know goes on in this league, you get laughed out of the room. Like there's no shot this really happens. When yes, in fact. It really does happen.
0: So, speaking of the craziness, right? Let's 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 tabulate a little bit. We've had Brady retire, then unretire. Russell Wilson traded. Deshaun Watson, Tyree Hill, Devonte Adams. Aaron Rodgers staying. Mega stars. Mega stars changing teams. Bruce Arians right. just retired. Bruce Arians abruptly retiring. Of all the moves we've seen this offseason, when we look back, Jay, in five years, which transaction do you think will have made the biggest difference in terms of wins and losses?
2: Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay.
0: Yep. So a non-move. A
2: non-move. A move that could happen. He had the right to make it happen. So Aaron Rodgers staying, and, and I do love what the Raiders have done too. By the way, I think Dave Ziegler's done a great job over there. Um, but I think, yeah, I think that will probably be the biggest. In my,
0: yeah. Well, as as the resident Bills fan on our staff, I was hoping you were going to say Von Miller. Oh, but we'll get, we'll give you a pass. Great all-
2: <laughs> People like to beat up on on that quarterback over there. That quarterback special. Every week at Fox, I do this thing, uh, hashtag Ask Glazer, a mailbag. And almost every week, fans will chime in, like kind of ripping on him. And Bill's fans like, dude, this guy's going to have a ring on his finger one day. He's
0: different. He's special. All right. Well, Jay, it's great to catch up with you. I'm sure you've got a crazy month upcoming with the NFL Draft and everything else. So we appreciate you making the time. And best of luck with with everything you've got on your plate. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you. And that'll do it for today's Real Sports podcast. We'll be back with a new episode following the premiere of the next Real Sports on April 19th. And a quick reminder to everyone listening, you can watch all recent episodes of Real Sports with Brian Gumbel on HBO Max. I'm your host, Max Gershberg. Thanks for listening. And please join us again next time.